Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics helps us explore our own humanity. And on Trek Tuesday is actor Philip Pine. His career spanned from 1955 on and is best known as Colonel Green on the classic Star Trek episode, The Savage Curtain, and the classic Twilight Zone episode, The Four of Us Are Dying. There's more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Here's more sci-fi talk with Tony Tolado. I had a chance to sit down with him in the 1990s and talk about those two roles. And he actually starts off talking about his days in theater and some interesting people he worked on a play. And we uh, kind of pick up the conversation as he's reminiscing there. Carl Malden was one of the leads in it. And, and uh, yeah, now, and, and Richard Basehart was in it too. Now, uh, there's an incident there. This is just before the, the matter of fact, the war was on, and and uh, I would was uh, I was drafted out of this play. I, I was at the time we we uh, uh, Peggy Webster directed it, and the opening was going to the the out of town opening was going to be at Washington D.C. And I understudied, I had a small part, Bert Fried and myself played two German soldiers that uh, were coming down into this place where, the, where these guys had, uh, had captured some Germans. And uh, I, one of the things I had to do was, was uh, understudy uh, Basehart. Now, we get down to, to uh, and in and, and those days, the, the rehearsals for, for the understudies were not you know really done until the week just before you opened it someplace yeah so I had had a no real rehearsal in it but I had learned the part because I had come off the road I had you know my background was already pretty solidly entrenched in the theater so I, I learned quickly and did that anyway we get down to uh, Washington and all of a sudden a guy by the name of Franklin was was a stage manager, and he came to me and he said, are you, "My God, are you up on that on Base Art's part?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And uh, he said, "Could you go on tonight to the opening?" And I said, "Sure, I know the movements. You know, I've been watching it." And uh, he said, "Well, I, I got to get Peggy Webster over here." So Peggy came over and she said, "Can you can you do this thing tonight?" And I said, "Yeah." She said, uh, "Let me hear it." Phil, you know, so I said, okay, you, you know, do it. And I said, and, and, and I said, and then I move over there, down right or up left or wherever it was and everything. And she looked at me and she says, God bless you, man. She said, we, we got to go on. We can't. That. So I did it that night. So I always kidded Basart. We, we later became friends and everything. And I, I said, son of a bitch, you got well the next morning, didn't you? And he, he had had... Uh, he uh, uh, he suffered from um, uh, what is it? Um, not diabetes. Yeah, diabetes. Really? Yeah, know. yeah, he did, and he he had to take uh, shots for it on occasion. And some and he had this was an attack that came on, and he was terribly ill that night. But I, you know, they took care of him, and, and the following day he was he was back on. But uh, and then we came to New York and, and went on from there. Wow. Now, do you think the stage is that what helped you to 
you know, especially when you go into film acting and television acting, we have to remember things quickly. Does that help you with the stage background? It helped me in uh, in television. It helped me in very particularly very early television that was done live, right, sure. because uh, it was it was not unusual for me to learn a part in in a day or two days, because I had played in a lot of stock, and I'd, my wife and I had both worked on showboats up and down the Mississippi, the Ohio, Monongahela, Allegheny. They, we'd gone to New Orleans, and we're the only boat only boat that ever went up at uh, Bio Buffalo to Houston, Texas, and we worked there. So all of these things were, were very easy for me to do. But I had had very good early training with a woman by the name of Ursula Fawcett, who came from, uh, uh, she came over with Southern and Marlowe, English uh, troupe, many years ago. This is, I'm talking in the 1920s, she came over. And she went to Hollywood and, and didn't like it at all and moved up. Uh, to uh, uh, Oakland, California, where she developed a school and a stock company. And that's the first job that I had and, and when I was 16 years old, 1936. I'm 76 now. And, and uh, uh, so all of this background made it, made it pretty simple. It did something that hurt because while it was okay for doing like like I did uh, episode number three and number four of the original Superman series and we did them back to back and we worked on them the same day where you would take your mustache off and play a scene and, and different jacket and that kind of thing and you went on doing it and we did it in three days the, the two shows well that was okay that was no no big deal but now we get to a movie and what happened to me in the movie was a little bit different. One of the first things that I, I realized was, wait a minute, I am doing a scene here that is at the height of my emotion and we have not yet done the scene where the emotion begins to build. And that's going to be done later. Now, i got to be careful how high I go on this scene. If I don't go high enough, it's going to ruin the first scene that I'm going to take later. Yeah. And if I do too much, it's going to kill the scene yeah. in the beginning and it'll never match. It'll never make any sense. Well, this is the thing. I worked in, in one picture uh, directed by Robert Wise, a good movie, The Setup it was called, with Robert Ryan, and one of the, and, uh, uh, and most of the picture, or, or at least practically everything that I was in, was shot in the, uh, uh, in, in the dressing room of the boxers, and I played a young boxer, lightweight, and, and I came onto the set, and I'd forgotten exactly what, you know, I had, I had made a couple of pictures. But now I came on the set and I, I had always admired uh, uh, 
uh, Wallace Ford's work. Wally Ford is oh, a yeah, good, yeah. fine actor yes. in New York, and yes, I, I knew his work, and I had seen him in the original version of Mice and Men, oh, yeah, and yeah. and I thought, oh Jesus, I'm gonna get, I'm on a scene with Wally Ford. Now, now I'm gonna watch what he's doing. But at that time, I was really, you know, awestruck by the people I was working with, and uh, I stood in back of the camera and I watched him, and I thought. Oh, this is kind of disappointing. Gee, come on, Wally, do something, you know? Watching it. Wow. Later, I saw the dailies. I said, wow, that's what he was doing. It was, that's when I learned the one thing. You've got to be a little more subtle in front of that camera than you are on that stage, fella. Because that thing enlarges on every little thing that you do. And I thought, gee, this was wonderful because I saw it with a really good actor and I knew that must be the right way to do it because that's not a bitch that knows his business. So. Now, you, now, you mentioned Superman. Um, what, what were your impressions of working on the show, like George Reeves and some of the people that you worked with? I had a lot of respect for, for uh, George, but I was astonished at one thing that took place on this set. Never happened again on any other set that I ever worked on. But they were, we were working so fast, and, I, and, you know, they were just going, man, at this thing. Well... At five o'clock, we, we, we started work about seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. At five o'clock, after having had lunch and coming back to work, all of a sudden somebody said, martini time. And I kind of laughed, you know. <laughs> sure. They brought a, pushed on a thing with mark, makings for martinis and everything on the set. And I said, oh, no way, man. But everybody went over there and had a drink. George and the director and the producer and everybody, they went over and I said, wow, man, this is crazy. And I, well, I couldn't touch it because I was scared to death. They came back to work and we worked. Then I figured out why. We worked until nine o'clock at night. They were fine. I was bushed, man, at the nine o'clock, but these guys were just going on. They were great. Wow. Now, like I say, we're only three days. All three days, they did the same thing. And I talked to guys later, other actors, friends, and they said, and you know, maybe three or four months later, and they said, yeah, they're still doing the same thing, Phil. They said, they just, but everybody seems to just handle one martini and they go back to work. Look at that. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's that was one. But anyway, but about the guy himself, George was a very serious actor. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a, a shattering experience to, to uh, see, you know, what happened to him yeah, in, in yeah. terms of, of his life and everything, that, that this would happen to the guy. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody deserves to have that happen to him. He was not a bad man or anything, uh, but it was, you know, just unfortunate. There's more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Here's more sci-fi talk with Tony Tolada. As far as uh, fantastic, then uh, you, uh, how did the part on the Twilight Zone, about the four of us are dying, come about? And uh, what was your reaction when you saw the script? Well, uh, the the four of us are dying. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think now. I I, I think it came after I did. Uh, uh, 
the outer limits. And oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. That too. And uh, in uh, I don't. I, I'm almost certain. Which, if you might remember this one, I think on the outer limits is the one where I I played the vice president of the United States and the Chinese. Yes. Come over. Is that the one? Ten days of the dragon. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Hundred days. Hundred days of the dragon. Yeah. Right. I now, now that particular show I had done before the four of us are dying when I did that show I was totally amazed at how they were going to do this they, they, they took a, a, a piano wire and they had it from coming down from something that, that held it taunt and and, and, down and riveted to the bottom and the director whose name I'm sorry to say I, I don't remember uh, said to me now Phil when you go to the door and open the door this is as far as you can go and, and there's your 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 marker you could uh, and i could actually see it you know that that this piano wire and and uh, and and uh, that's where you that's where you stop don't go beyond that or we can't cut it and then when i did the other thing when i the door was open and the guy is there. I'm, I'm standing here looking at yeah, myself. Yourself, in other words. <laughs> yeah. Now I, you know, I'm just doing what they tell me to do, and I don't really know what what's going to happen. And my head had to come to a certain level, and sure. so you know, all of these things. And so I was busy thinking about that. Yeah, I got to do that, and I got to do this, and everything. And when I saw it. I think I was probably more startled than the audience because I thought, my God, look at that. Oh, I did that good. It does look like I'm surprised. Yeah. By yourself. So, yeah, right. yeah. So by the time I, uh, you know, now, you know, now I'm, uh, oh, I know about this stuff, you know. But it was a little bit different in, in the, the four of us because while we each had to go, go uh, down, uh, that what they did that was uh, of course they were the, the shot was superimposed yeah, yeah. Exactly. and each one was shot separately against the blue uh, uh, you know the blue, blue screen, screen, screen and and then put together so but uh, by now you know I was sophisticated <laughs> I had done something like that so it wasn't that 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 worried about it but again what uh, really surprised it didn't surprise me but but I had to admire is what I'm trying to get at was the fact that you know you, these, these technicians are so good at certain things you know. the camera was put in a position that would make sure that our heads would not be disproportionate in size in other words that, that uh, it, it would be logical that this thing is changing and because the, the level was so right now I I said I, I don't know how the hell you guys can can do that well you know because I'm not conscious of where my head is when I'm going down and he said well you know what what we're doing is we, we're doing that and superimposing one on the other and we have to juggle it when, yeah, when, when yeah, we're right. doing it and we, we'll do it so it, it, those things I probably you know now the stuff that they do is so incredible that, you know with the, with the digital and all of that that but at the time we, we were really impressed because this this stuff required 
many hours in, in you know, in, in the room doing double exposures and things that they were doing. Uh, and and now they get effects that, uh, you know, I mean, they blow something apart and it shows pieces of something oh, know, coming so. out, yeah, you know. Right. Like I, I was watching the, the uh, uh, Independence Day. Yeah. Did you like that? Yeah, well, they, they you know they blow up the, the the White House and my God, man, you could you sort they must have blown up a house. <laughs> they must have you know built a miniature. No, they didn't do that. I mean, the effects still hold up incredibly well in both those episodes. Yeah. Did the four of you actually talk? The actors who played, I mean, it was essentially playing Harry's character. Uh, did you sort of talk to get mannerisms or anything from Harry, since you're all sort of a, a shadow of him? Every single one of us were uh, friends mm -hmm. of each other. We actually were. Uh, uh, I, I knew all, all the three other guys, and the three other guys knew me. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we knew a lot of mannerisms of, of, each, of each other's stuff. But also, when we came in, we did a reading oh, okay. of, of the thing. We did a reading. That's kind of rare for television. Yeah. We did a, well, I'll tell you another incident in a little while. <laughs> it was how rare it was. <laughs> we... So, so we 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 knew, and we uh, we were well versed on what they were trying to do, and so that really worked out pretty well. And and uh, uh, you know, it's uh, we kidded around a little bit too, you know, of, of uh, kind of imitating the other guy and you know, doing that, particularly Harry, because you know Harry was took a joke very well, so we didn't we didn't have. <laughs> Too much problem with that. Did you uh, did you actually see Mr. Sterling on the set, and what were your impressions oh, of? Oh yes, him? oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I didn't know this, but uh, Rod Sterling uh, certainly knew. He knew more about my work than I knew about his. Mm -hmm. uh, and and he had seen me a thing, and he either is one of the friendliest men that ever lived, or. He was a, a good at faking it because uh, when I I walked on, he said hi Phil and, and you know I said good to see you and you know you say you know we're so happy to have you. He made me sound like they'd gone out and said Jesus we got to get this guy to work for us you know which of course wasn't true but he made you feel that way uh, and he was a, a a very very conscientious guy. He was an actor uh, uh, that uh, really found his niche in, in, in what, he, what he did in, in writing and in, and, and producing, too. Uh, but I think that he was, he was really always on the actor's side. I think he, he was like, like he, he loved acting and he loved the actors. And, and he, it came across. It, it, it was just a, a uh, I don't know of one actor that all of the people that I ever knew that worked for him that, that said, oh, this is the guy, that, you know, because there were some that they, nobody was too happy working with. But this guy, big, big different, big man, the, the biggest little man God ever created. Now, on uh, Star Trek, you uh, were Colonel Green, who led a genocidal war in the 21st century. Uh, <laughs> I actually remembered that. Uh, but uh, how did that part come about? Was it just your agent? And oh, you don't know that story? I, I don't know that story. Oh, I've told that story so many times. My career's had a lot of ups and downs. And in 1960, uh, 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 
65, by, by 1965, I was kind of, you know, running downhill a little bit, and, and uh, I was, was really concerned, uh, and I was about ready to get back to, come back to Broadway and, and try all over again. And we, I had a very nice home up in Encino, California, which is a nice section and everything. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, John Wayne lived uh, about a block and a half from me around the corner. And, you know, there was a good section. Dick Van Dyke was down the street and, you know, all these guys around. Uh, so I was, you know, happy with the place. But now I had to get out because I, I at least I thought I did. And... I put the house up for sale because I thought we'd go back to New York. And one day, I hadn't didn't have it on very long. One day, uh, a, a real estate agent showed up with Roddenberry, <laughs> and, and he was looking for a, a home at that time. And uh, this was was now uh, 1966, about about January, sometime right around there, or February maybe. No, January. It must have been, must have been January. I knew who he was, and when the minute the guy brought him in, and you know, I'm going to show him around the place, and so I said, "Go ahead." And so he goes around looking at it, and when he came back to to leave, you know, they non-committal, nobody's going to say anything. But I said, uh, you know, Mr. Roddenberry, you know, I, I, I like your show. I admired it. It'd been on the air for two years then. So uh, I said, because it started, so that's right, this was 60, 67, it, it was, it's right, yeah, because it had been on 66, 67, and, and I, the one that I uh, was the in season. was was in 1969, uh, March, March yeah, of, in 69, yeah, shot it, uh, yeah 68, 68. Uh, I said, you know, I, I really, I would like to work on the show, and he didn't say anything, he just said, yeah, you know, I know your work and, and everything, and I said, oh, that's nice, and he, and he left. And I, it was about, I think it was about, what was it, about two months later after that? Some, yeah, some, about two months after that, that I got the call from my agent to go and pick up the script. To, uh, to pick up the script on Star Trek, the part was Colonel Green, and uh, that's it. Uh, I went over and I, I, I got it, and I said, Jesus the man must have remembered, because, uh, you know, I, one of the things that I had said to him, was you know I really like it. I like the the good against evil. That the, the, you know it's like the morality plays of the, of the 15th century. And uh, he had made no comment about that. I mean nothing. Well, if that isn't a morality play, I don't know what is. Oh, very much. So. I mean it, 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 it it's on the nose, man. Yeah. You got to be absolutely non-compassmentous not to see that. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, and you know what? He was not on the set when I worked. I did not see him at all. I did my job. I don't want to say my luck changed. I I had started already started, you know, getting a couple of jobs and everything. But I started working a lot after that. Now. I don't care what they say. I know that Paramount did everything in the world to dump the show. I, 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 they, uh, well, Desi Lou will, uh, you know, they, they just didn't know how good it was. Yeah. They had no idea. But casting directors knew how good it was. And from that show, I got other jobs. 
just because of that. So it, it was utterly incredible to me that the management, the owners of this this thing that later became, of course, I didn't expect that it was going to be like it is now. I, I don't think anybody. Uh, no, no, nobody. I don't think there's anybody that can claim that. No. But I did know, and I did think it was a good show. Oh, yeah. And I think, uh, well, I, this is no big secret. An awful lot of people, uh, other actors, and I don't know really what it comes from, didn't like Shatner. Why, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> maybe because he was lucky and got a hell of a good job and, and it lasted. Awesome. And there, there, there's a lot of that, you know. Uh, I had no problems with him at all. I had I had known him before because uh, Ty Andrews, who was a lieutenant on Mod Squad. Absolutely, was a Klingon. Yes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. Now, he and I had worked together and we also owned a couple of pieces of property together and one of the pieces of property we sold to Bill Shat. <laughs> now, so there was no reason for me not to like him. Also, there was one other thing which I have done. I don't know that I did it to, I'm sure that I did because I did it as, to every actor that I worked with that was an important actor that hadn't worked on Broadway. I always managed at some time or another very early on to say, Jesus, you know, we never met in New York when I was, you know, and I was in, and I would name two or three shows I was in, knowing full well that they hadn't worked on Broadway. But it was, it was my, my, my way of saying, I belong here, you know, I'm not intimidated. <laughs> Was it, a, was it a, a good shoot as far as oh, everything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Herschel Doherty, he, uh, we, Shatner and I, kind of, uh, well, mostly Shatner, choreographed the, the way the, the wrestling was going to oh, okay. go. Yeah. Right, yeah, you had the big fights. Yeah, sure. yeah. He, so we worked together, but after all, he was the lead. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and Herschel let us, you know, kind of work it out. And we did the close stuff, right, right. you know, the real close stuff. And then, of course, the, the, uh, the stuntmen, the stuntmen sure. came in and did, did the rough stuff. But they did uh, what we said we, we, we would do. And then we'll fall here, and, you know, we ran that kind of thing. So I, it went very smoothly, very smooth. And as a matter of fact, I don't, I'm almost certain that I did not work a full week on it. The reason being, my reasoning in that is, from the because I don't remember how much I got paid on it, but I do remember that the residuals indicated uh, at the time we got for the uh, uh, the, the first rerun because we had changed over from getting. 80% of, of minimum salary, we had changed to, we got 80% of what our salary was oh, okay. the, on the first rerun. And then, that, that helps. yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and so I would look at that and I said, well, I didn't, I didn't get two grand a week. I must have gotten somewhere around 1250 or 1500 something. So I think tops, I got 1500 for it. I've made more than that. And oh, it, at one of these I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but it's a part that's uh, you know that is that's I mean because of 
anybody that's been killed 22 million people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In a genocidal war. Yeah. You know, your red jumpsuit there. How was that jumpsuit anyway? Was that comfortable? You know what? Yeah, it was fine. Uh, and and it was it was it was actually tailored for me. But you know who used it later? Uh, Williams in in uh, Mork and Mindy. Oh, that Robin, that's the same outfit. That was, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a little bit of yeah, trivia. Yeah, everything gets recycled. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't know that. A Star Trek fan told me about it about a year ago. Oh, wow, isn't it? Philip Pine passed away in 2006, but he'll be forever known in Star Trek and Twilight Zone history. For Trek Tuesday, this is Tony Tolado.